This, this verse today is, is going to take a little bit of work for me to make sure I remember it all. And it might take a little bit of work for you as well. So why don't we go ahead and, and recite this together a few times and uh, see if we can't start to impart it into our minds and into our hearts. Psalm 119, uh, 139, 13 and 14 says, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and say that again by taking away a few of the words. Let's fill in the blanks, shall we? Let's say this again. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts... You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Okay. One more time. Ooh, ooh, ah. Okay, here we go. Ready? We can do this. We can do this. Psalm 139, 13, and 14. For you formed my inward parts... You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. All right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at works this month. And I thought as we talk about works, as we look at it, you know, last week, we looked at that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And, and that is truly a focus on our second lives, our salvation, our being born again. But it's helpful as we think about the works of God to remember that His works began much earlier in our lives before salvation. That it even began before we were. And, and this psalm, Psalm 139, is a psalm where uh, focused on God's glory and His greatness and all the things that He is able to do that He makes, how, how, f- how much further His thoughts are than ours are. And, and the psalmist is talking about how he can't hide from God. If he went to the depths of the sea, God is there. And, and even if he tried to shroud himself in darkness... God could still see him because to God, the dark is just like the daytime. Isn't that something to think about? And, and it's in that context that he starts going on about how he was formed in, in his mother's womb and how God had formed his inward parts. And he even gets into talking about God's thoughts. It's a, sermon, a, a psalm focused on God's greatness and his power and his knowledge. And right in the middle of it, there's these verses that I think are important for us to remember as as human beings and with human beings around us, that we are, uh, as he says, you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's our focus today is on the wonderful thing that God has done. That He has made us. You formed my inward parts. You wove 
me in my mother's womb. The, the, he, the psalmist has gone from talking about being shrouded in darkness to, to the one time that we are truly shrouded in darkness. So we don't know, and especially at his time, he didn't know what was going on in there. It was a mystery to us as human beings. What is going on? How does it work? How does it happen? It's a miracle that babies are born. It's a miracle that they are conceived and they are put together. And yet, he's saying it takes God's specific work here. This word formed is, uh, this is the only place where this word is translated as formed. Everywhere else, it's the idea of buying something. That you, you bought it, you purchased it, you obtained it. So it's, it's an interesting word to use to say, you formed my inward parts. You know, it's, it's the idea that, that you, you brought them about. You made them happen. They were not there, and you got them for me. And inward parts is specifically the kidneys. The internal organs is the, the idea. And then you wove me. Uh, um, that word wove, some have knit together. It's really the, the idea of you've covered me. And, and not so much that you covered me in with the womb, but... It's, it's the idea of, I think, the idea of being overshadowed or covered all those inward parts. He put our skin on us. He gave our outsides to us. You've covered up the inward parts that you formed, that you purchased, that you made. And, and so the idea here is, 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 is that God made you inside and out. That every aspect of you, every part of you, he created. And it wasn't just the idea of let it be. But that God in His infinite ability takes time, if He needs time because He's outside of time, but He takes the time to design and to create and to form and to cover each and every one of us. That God made you Inside and out is what he is saying there. You've, you've formed my inward parts. You've wove me in my mother's womb. God is the one who decided what hair color you would have. He's the one that decided what kind of metabolism you would have. He's the one that decided whether you'd be short or tall, skinny or not so skinny. Right? If you would have a, a predisposition to spare tire or if you be the type of person that can eat 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 and never gain anything i was at i was at some friend's house yesterday getting some lumber and uh, they were getting ready for lunch and one of their kids was eating four hot dogs i thought man when i was a kid i never got to eat four hot dogs wow now i have to put up with just eating one hot dog he was eating four hot dogs and and his dad said, you know, when you're just skinny as a beanpole, <laughs> you got to sock it away to try to make anything. I can't get jealous at him about that. God made him that way. And God made me a different way. And God made you a different way. God is the one who made you inside and out. We're, as he tells us here in verse 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, wonderful are your works. 
You know, if God made you inside and out, and if His works are wonderful, and we, we saw last week that we are His workmanship in Christ Jesus, right? We are His workmanship that He has designed us. He has taken thought in us. And the same is true for us in our lives today that, that being born, regardless of salvation, regardless of salvation, as we are created by God, He says, wonderful are your works. And this is a, this is a, it's not, oh, you're so wonderful because of, of who you are or what you do. No. You are wonderful because God made you. Wonderful are your works. It's the focus isn't on the works themselves. It's on the fact that they are God's works. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not wonderful in and of ourselves. But we do need to stop and recognize you are wonderful. You are amazing. You are marvelous, as some translations have it. Marvelous are your works. Now you and I know we've got things in our lives that make us feel less than wonderful. Less than marvelous, don't we? That's not God's work. That's our work. God's work is wonderful. God's work is marvelous. Even the things that, that we would struggle with in understanding when, when you have Moses who goes before God and God says, I want to send you down to Egypt. I want you to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses says, well, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Send somebody else. God says, I made you that way. Who makes the deaf and the dumb, the seeing and the blind? Is it not I? So you got to understand that even when we are born without sight, or even when we are born without the, the ability to hear, and therefore not the ability to speak. And some people are born without the ability to speak and they can hear everything. That is still wonderful. That is still God working. Because in, in, in the case with Moses, God wants to work with Moses who is slow of speech. He doesn't want to send somebody who's a great orator to go to talk to Pharaoh. He wants to send the guy who feels like he's going to stumble over his words. God has a way of liking to shame the proud with the foolish and the weak. And so when we are created and we are less than what we want to be, when we are less than what the world says we should be, we need to remember that you are wonderful. And if we are born... I remember a, a, a buddy in, in seminary. He had a daughter that uh, when she was born, for whatever reasons, one of her arms just didn't develop. And that happens. My cousin had a daughter. She was born. Her heart wasn't fully developed. It, it takes some faith in God and in His goodness to say that those children are wonderfully made when we look at them, and, and in the case of my cousin, her daughter only lived about 18 months. But she was wonderfully made. Because she was made by God who knew what He was doing. And His purposes and His existence and His reality is so much greater than our reality. And when we look at a child who is born uh, blind, we say, why God, why? But he's thinking, I've got great purposes going on here. I've got, 
I've got reasons. I've got plans. We have a child that was born and doesn't live very long. We say, why? What a waste. All this pain, all this hurt. Why, God? And He says, wonderful. Just what I intended. What I purposed in my heart for my glory. We are wonderful not because of ourselves, but because God made us. And you are wonderful as you are because God made you. And you might look at things and say, well, I've messed this up and I've messed that up. Yeah, we, we mess it up. Like that person that threw a pie or something at the Mona Lisa at the Louvre this year. We want to mess up God's masterpieces. And we do it very easily. But I, I, I see things like that, and I, I see people, you know, there, there are people who are living completely for themselves and not desiring to live for God in any way. And some of them are really talented. Sometimes it seems like the most talented people are the ones working the hardest against God. And you see that talent, and you think, you know, that talent, that talent was meant to glorify God. That, that skill that that person has, that ability they have that was meant to glorify God it's such a shame they're not using it the way he meant for it to be but we are told that his works are wonderful and we need to acknowledge and recognize yeah that's why life is so precious we are made in his image we are wonderful because he has made us that way in fact the first time wonderful shows up uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful there is an interesting word again. The word that's being translated as wonderfully made, and the word made really isn't there. We're inferring it from the context. But the, the, the Hebrew word there means to be separated. Means to be at sometimes distinct. So I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, some people think, well, maybe we're, we're, the psalmist is really talking about childbirth, that it's a fearful time because it could go bad, it could go wrong, we could lose a child, it's, there's some danger involved in childbirth. And yet, you get separated from your mother. So I am fearfully separated is kind of the thinking of maybe that's what he meant. But I, I think it's more the idea that, that we should take stock in and be in awe that we, you know, in, in that sense of fearfully, that we should recognize how awesome it is what God has done in creating us, and also that He has made us each wonderful or distinct, separated, that, that we are unique, that, that not just that, oh, everybody's special and everybody's unique. No, God uniquely made you that He made you unlike anybody else. He will never do it again. He uniquely made you. And we know that you know, all of our fingerprints are different. I don't think God did that just so that in the 20th century we would be able to start keeping track of who did things. Right? I don't, I don't think that was God's purpose. I mean, if you, if you go through human history and all the thousands of years humans have been alive, it's only been a very brief time that we have been using fingerprints to track people. 
or DNA to track people. Think of DNA evidence. That's in my lifetime. God had a purpose well beyond what we use these things for. We can't see it so well, but it's part of who we uniquely are. And He has made us inside and out a special way. Our DNA even is unique. You know, we experience things like, oh, I'm having a good hair day or I'm having a bad hair day or I like this about me, I like that about me or I don't like this aspect of me. You know, think of God is seeing you on an atomic level if He desires to. That that your atoms and the way they're working and your electrons and your protons and your neutrons are uniquely yours compared to somebody else's. Your DNA is just put together. All of it is you as far as God is concerned. And here's the thing. If, if God has made you, and if He has made you, and you are wonderful because He made you, and if God uniquely made you, then we really need to take stock and, and to stop and to recognize that He loves you the way you are. Not, not sinful. Don't get me wrong. No, He doesn't love sin. But those things that to one another can be annoying, you know, that you, you just got a personality. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one in here that has been around people that had annoying personalities. And I want you to know, don't you worry, as many people as you have found that you think they have an annoying personality, believe it or not, there are people in this world who think you have an annoying personality. There are people who just love you. And they, they think you've got the greatest sense of humor. And then there are other people who think your sense of humor stinks. Okay? Just the way it is. But each one of those people that you can sometimes be annoyed with, or short with, or bugged by, we need to remember God made them he uniquely made them. He made them to be the way they are. They are wonderful in His book, and we need to be careful how we treat them. We need to make sure that we are giving them the honor they deserve, not because of anything they have done, but because who made them. And if there are things like sin that they have brought themselves down, if anything, that should give us compassion for them because they have marred the thing that God has made in them. It helps every now and then when you deal with people who to you are difficult to recognize in yourself, you know what, there's something about this person God loves. There is something about this person God likes. He doesn't just love them because He loves humanity. You know, I think the people who, who love humanity, they do that so that they don't have to love humans. You know, it's, 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 it's easy to love a group of people. It's hard to love each one of those people individually. God doesn't just love us as a group. He loves us individually. He knows us in and out individually. And He made us uniquely to be who we are. And, and, and so that, that develops in our lives in a couple ways. One, to, to recognize that, hey, God must love this about this other person, even if it grates on me. If it grates on me, why does it grate on me? Probably because I'm a sinful human being. And I don't have patience 
And I expect people to be like me, and this person isn't like me, or sometimes this person is way too much like me, and there's only enough room for one of us in this room, right? It's usually my sin that is the problem, not that other person's personality or quirks or ways. And there is truth in the fact that as people grow up and as we live, we have different experiences, and that will affect how we do things. So they might be quirky and they might be annoying because they have twisted or their life has twisted what God made straight. That can happen as well. But even then, it's, it's to recognize, you know, that's, that's sin in the world. God still loves this person. God made this person to be a certain way. The other aspect of it, though, is as, as we look at ourselves and look at people around us, is this is one of the reasons why we should not be jealous of one another. This is one of the reasons why covetousness is such a terrible thing. To desire somebody else's stuff. To desire somebody else's life. To desire somebody else's possessions. Maybe to, deny, to, to desire somebody else's gifts and abilities. You know, it's easy to see somebody who's skilled in their labor, skilled in the work, and say, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could paint like that. I wish I could craft like that. I wish I could build like that. I wish I could write like that. I wish I could think like that. I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could play like that. I wish I could dance like that. That's not, that's not acknowledging God's creation of who you are. You know, if God didn't make you a dancer, He didn't make you a dancer. If He didn't give you the ability to sing and pitch, He didn't give you the ability to sing and pitch. Maybe He gave you something else. And, and this is the thing that we need to recognize that God made us. He formed our inward parts. He wove us in our mother's rooms. I am fearfully and wonderfully or uniquely made. And God made you just the way you are. Lean into your strengths. Lean into who you are. Lean into to, to what God has given you and be grateful for it and to say, okay, God, this is what you've made me. This is how you've made me. How do I best glorify you with who I am? Not, oh, I wish I could glorify you like that other person over there. Yeah, I, I'm vain, you know. I've had this beard since Catherine was not even one years old yet. And I can't tell you how many beards I've seen walking around thinking, oh man, I wish my beard was full like that. Oh man, I wish I could wear it down to there, you know. I'm getting to the part where it's getting kind of scraggly. I'm going to have to trim it again. And that just hurts my heart. And every time I look at myself in the mirror, I have to just remind myself, this is, this is the beard and this is the facial hair that God gave me. And I need to love it and live with it. I'm not going to shave it off in spite of my face. You don't want to see that face. No. This is better than the alternative, so I'll just keep it. But oh, I can, I can wish I had a different, a different sh face. But this is what God made me. This is what He gave me. And that's the same, that's the truth for all of us. Instead of sitting around saying, why can't I be like that person or that person? We need to 
realize I need to be more like who God made me to be. And to love Him and, th- and to thank Him for it. Notice the, the psalmist here in verse 14. What does he say? I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Does your soul know it? Does your soul know it very well? Does your soul know that you are wonderfully made? That you are, are knit together by God and, and made unique? Does your soul Does your inward self know it? Are you thankful for it? That instead of being wanting to be somebody else, to recognize that we are who God made us to be, and, and that He had great purpose in doing that. That He designed you, gave you a temperament, gave you a personality, gave you different desires, gave you different abilities. And said, I've got a purpose and a plan for your life to glorify myself, to, to, to be able to show you in your life my grace and my mercy. You know, think about Moses and his slow tongue. How else would he have experienced God's grace had he not needed to rely upon the Lord in speaking and leading that great people? God has made you unique, special, different than everybody else around you. And it is so funny in America, you know, we're, we're, we've for so long had this whole, you know, oh, you're special thing that I feel like it's dangerous ground to step on to even suggest it, you know. But it's true. God has made you who you are. The proper response is not to be wishing you were other. What does that do? That tells God, I think you did wrong. I think you did junk. And there's a lot of that going on today. There are a lot of people who really messed up who are saying, God didn't make me this way or God made a mistake. Let me tell you something. If it's between your heart and what God made, trust me, your heart is lying to you. If you're sitting there and you look yourself in the mirror and you think, I'm so pathetic, I'm so terrible, I'm so ugly, your heart is the liar, not God. God is the one who said, this is good. God is the one who said, this is who I made you to be. It's our heart that's lying to us and telling us other things. And if we're desiring other things, or if we want to be different than who we are, now, I'm not saying that we don't want to be different in the sense that I would like to sin less and I would like to do these other things more. I'm not talking about, you know, cleaning up our messes. I'm talking about wishing we were other than who we are. A different person or different skills or or being dissatisfied that I don't have these skills, I have those skills. We should be like the, the psalmist here. We should be thankful. We need to be thankful for who God made. Who God made in us and even be thankful for who God made around us. You know, those difficult people, those people that annoy you, those people that have personalities that drive you nuts, or that, that laughter, why did God make it so that they laugh that way? Or, or why do they talk that way? Can we even be thankful that God made them their way? We should. He, the psalmist says, I will give thanks to you, 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The whole world, everybody out there, was made by God. And they were made to be who they are. They were made unique. And each one of them, think about it, each one of them is made in such a way that they would glorify God in their lives. So the the biggies, Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler, Mussolini, all the people who we've said, ooh, they did a terrible thing. Bin Laden. Each one made to glorify God, made uniquely by God, with love. God didn't make them to be murderers. God didn't make them to become madmen. God didn't make them to create destruction and death. They did that in themselves. But God made them. And God made them for His glory. And God made them with purpose. And God had a desire and a love for who they were. And God got to watch them destroy it all. Everybody, even the terrible ones, were made by God. He formed them. He designed them. Are we thankful for who He made? Not just in our own lives and our own self, which we need to start with, to be thankful with who am I? Be thankful with who you are. But also to be thankful for the fact that God made the people around us the way they are. And to look instead of for the ways that they can change, that my life would be better. Maybe to look and say, what did God create them to be? How did He create them to be? What was His desire and who they are? How can I glorify Him and praise Him and thank Him for what He has done? It's an interesting psalm. It actually ends with a a request that God would slay the wicked. It's an interesting thought when you consider if we apply these ideas to those around us. But in the end, he does say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. As we close, I'd I'd encourage you to pray to God, Lord, help me to know myself. Search my thoughts, and if there's any negative thoughts about myself, anything where I'm not thankful to you for who I am, Lord, would you take it out of me? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We should give him thanks. And, And be grateful for who we are. And be grateful for who's around us. And how they are. Let's say this again together, shall we? And I pray that this verse would be something that you would be able to remember from time to time and with other people around you. If you know somebody who's going through difficulty and struggling, maybe you could bless them by letting them know they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's say this together, shall we? Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts, You wove me in my mother's womb. 
I will give thanks to You, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are Your works, and my soul knows it very well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, maybe our souls don't know it fully well. Maybe we look at our lack and our sin and our failures and we think, oh, you must have made a mistake, God. Father, we pray that we would know it, that our souls, our inward people, we would know it deeply, that we would recognize that those things that we like and those things that we don't like, those strengths that we have and those weaknesses that we have, You gave them all to us for Your glory. We pray, Lord, that You would help us to look for the ways that we glorify You, not just in our strengths and our good things, but also in our weaknesses and in our failures and where we come up short. May we see how we glorify You in that. And we pray, Father, as we interact with coworkers and neighbors and family and people around us, there are people who we love and we delight to be around and there are people who drive us crazy. Lord, help us to stop looking at them based on how they make us feel. Help us to start looking at the people in our lives based on the fact that You created them. They are made in Your image, that You delighted in them, and that You delight in them still today. Help us to look at them, Lord, as Your creatures, Your children. And we pray, Lord, that we would treat them with the honor and the dignity they deserve and that we would look for how they glorify You too. Change our eyes, Lord. Help us to see as You see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come to our